0: To the hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation.
1: Our church was at the end of a cul de sac, uh, without a lot of streets um, going to it, and so we're we are crossing. The street and we see headlights at the end of the cul-de-sac and they start coming for us and so i was like oh there!" i don't have a good feeling about this like we need to take a, a right turn so we made another um evasive maneuver i turned back and these guys get back in their car and are pulling out again and i was like oh my gosh these guys were coming we're being us. followed
0: Welcome back. It's Jordan. No Zach tonight. Sitting across from me is the burly man, Josh Burley. That's right. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Josh. Josh, let's just jump into it. Where?
1: Where is what? What's the name of your mission? I served in the Baltic Mission, Estonian speaking. And where is that? Oh, that's a common question. Um, it is on the border of Russia, across the sea from Finland. So, if you can imagine the northeasternmost corner of Europe mm-hmm. before crossing the Baltic Sea. That's where Estonia is. That's where my mission's at. Nice. And what it was it just Estonia or were there other countries? Um, and when I was in the MTC, the mission was redefined as Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and uh, Belarus. And so we had four countries, four languages. Wow. Five languages if you count English, but Yep. So what was your experience opening your mission call? Ooh, I, I, had the jitters. I was so excited for it. And, um, I remember everyone saying, look at the postage because if it's like a dollar 27, then you know, you're going foreign. And so, uh, we had everyone over. Wait, wait, what, what was the postage though? <laughs> uh, I think it was a dollar 27. <laughs> hey, there might be some truth to that. Hey, maybe, um, someone tell me otherwise. Uh, But, um, I remember we had all my friends and family over and I was opening it and reading it and expecting to say a country or a city kind of like is common. But when I read it, it said, you're called to serve in the Baltic mission. And I just stopped on that last note because I was like, where is that? (laughs) (laughs) And then I opened up the, the mission map and, and the way that it was outlined because Belarus wasn't a part of the mission yet, it kind of looks like, kind of looks like, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Asia. <laughs> and then, Oh, like it doesn't show on the world. It's just like this. Yeah. Squiggle it's, it's, of a it's just geographic. like a really close up. <laughs> like there's water on this side and there's land on this side. And, and I was like, uh, it's gotta be like Asia. I think, I don't know. And then everyone was running and, uh, we got a map up and, um, I was like, okay, it's, uh, Europe and then they're like what language what language and I kept reading and they're like or the the announcement said uh you will be called to speak the Estonian language and again just no idea what the heck was going on <laughs> <laughs> like Estonian I never heard of it and um it was cool to to have such a unique call but it was also super <sighs> frightening to be like everyone that I know goes Spanish speaking somewhere, like whether that's a Spanish country or that's stateside. And, um, you know, those are the experiences that I hear are, um, I guess, you know, Spanish related, uh, missions. And so I had no idea what to expect, how to prepare, um, or even what to do, what clothes to get anything leading up to this mission. So, you didn't meet anyone that had ever served there. You had no, you know what, reference. I did have um, a return missionary in my area who did act. He it somehow, some crazy way, he was a friend of a ward member that I had, um, and uh, I got in touch with him, and he came by and showed us some pictures, and I did get a little exposure eventually uh, in my last couple weeks before leaving, but. Um but yeah.
0: So you go to the MTC, you're trying to learn Estonian mm-hmm. and 12 weeks, 12 weeks, 12 weeks it, in the MTC. So that's a is that a special I mean now they've adjusted it so it would be what 9 weeks now. Yep. But 12 weeks is that the longest amount of time that they do for languages and
1: yeah. And it's funny that they changed it to nine weeks, literally the weekend after I got into the field. Cause that was when they changed the age to 18 years old and okay yeah, for elders and um, 19 for sisters. And uh, I was like, gosh, dang it. We just <laughs> like, <laughs> we were in there for so long eating all that cafeteria Great. food. And um, uh, yeah, it was a 12 week language.
0: And just out of curiosity, how many people, how many elders or sisters were in your district going to your same mission? Uh, in the MTC? Yeah. There were five of us. Okay. Yep. It's a tight-knit little group. It was. So you, and I'm, I'm guessing it was the Provo MTC? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you get on an airplane and probably stop a couple of places, and eventually you arrive at your mission headquarters, which was in? Riga, Latvia. Riga, Latvia. And... You get a new, you get a trainer and you guys go out on your first day. Mm -hmm. Tell me
1: about your first day of your mission. Oh my gosh. Well, actually I didn't get to meet my trainer until a couple days after because the logistics were kind of crazy. It was a 24 hour plane trip. um, And then the mission home was in Riga, Latvia. And we were set up with a temporary companion that spoke Latvian. And so while mission president is interviewing everyone who just got there. Uh, we went solicit- no, proselyting. Not soliciting, proselyting, <laughs> <laughs> soliciting. Uh, we went proselyting, but the problem was I don't speak Latvian. <laughs> and um, I remember my, I was just so brain fried from like trying to learn this language for 12 weeks and then taking a 24 hour trip. And then my temporary uh, companion was like, look, all you got to say is lav it means hello in Latvian, and then I'll take it from there. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, and so I was walking around going, lobby din, <laughs> and that got the most puzzled looks. It's
0: your first day. You've just gotten off an airplane within 48 hours. You're probably homesick or at least missing America.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you cope with this? <laughs> <laughs> Actually... Actually, I was so exhausted that I think I was just beyond feeling. I was just like, that was it's just weird, a blur. but I was like, I just, I could really use a bed right now because I was so exhausted. That's funny that you mentioned it just because
0: when the first day of your mission is probably the most exhausting, like you can't hit that pillow fast enough. It, it is, is so, mission works hard. Oh yeah. So You get off this plane, you're in a foreign country and you're not even able to communicate
1: yet. You're trying to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. What was that like? When I finally got to Estonia, it was really hard. I mean, it's the, uh, uh, the best two years has it right when that greenie gets off the train and first person he talks to, he's like, that's not the language they taught me in the MTC <laughs> because that was, I believe that's a fairly accurate, yeah. um, experience for everyone who f- first gets to their, their, uh, new country. And so, um, I just, I just had to realize that I had to stick to what I had memorized. Yeah. You know, stick to the script kind of thing. And, um, I I remember saying to myself, no matter what they say back, like I have, I've basically structured my memorized lines so that no matter what they say back, good or bad, I'm already going into the next question (laughs) (laughs) and seeing if I'm, if I'm uh, thought provoking at all to, to get them where I want them to be. (laughs) It's kind of like the the old style
0: missionary work, like the, the script and you just go through right, right. Brother Brown or whatever
1: they (laughs) use. Um, so what what helped you to learn estonian just a lot of practice i mean estonian when i got to the mission field my mission president told me estonian is the third hardest language in the world for english speakers to learn um uh the other two being mandarin chinese or finnish and uh, estonian is like a sister language to finnish kind of like portuguese is to spanish mm-hmm. so very similar um and it was very difficult to learn there's not a lot of great mission materials to to teach the Estonian language i mean essentially everything that we learned from those little books were were wrong but i was very blessed with a great trainer actually who spoke magnificently he was he actually went back afterwards and rewrote the training books oh wow <laughs> in the mtc so he wasn't estonian he was an american yep Wow. Yep. That's uh elder Stephen Jones. Use your shout out <laughs>
0: legend. Oh yeah. Language legend. Yep. So as you're learning the language, were there any words that you might've stumbled on or, or had some memorable experiences using? Oh man,
1: <laughs> there's some, there's some good ones. Um, for instance, I was, uh, I was calling a taxi once and, um, they asked whereabouts we are and, and, uh, I was right next to the birthing center, which was right by the church, and that was the easiest way to tell a taxi driver where we were, and so I was was trying to tell him that we were by the pericone keskus, and what I ended up saying was the peretus keskus, and a little dissection here is that pericone means family, and uh, peretus means fart. (laughs) And so I told people I was right next to the farting center, <laughs> and I could not get <laughs> could not get any hits from that. So, <laughs> and so uh, eventually, uh, we got a ride. Eventually, <laughs> that's uh,
0: that's quite the, the stumble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what what were some of the first things that you noticed about? I guess just your mission. Like when I, I've never been there. So like, can you kind of paint a picture? Like when I imagine Eastern Europe, I imagine like gray skies and bland food and like close to (laughs) Russian talk.
1: And like, wow. Am I accurate? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think my first winter, I didn't see sun for like eight months. Oh, wow. Um, winters are, are pretty harsh. Um, uh, you know, the cobblestone street thing is only present in the old town area and that's kind of like a reserve district for tourists and stuff. And so, so they do have cobblestone, but it's not exactly like a common. Mm-hmm. So, um, like there's a lot of Russian culture. It's, it's, uh, definitely as Estonia and like Estonians are very, very proud as they should be for, for, uh, who they are and what their nation is. And, uh, but there's a, there's just a big Russian influence there just as much as we have Hispanic influences and, you know, other, uh, ethnic influences here in the States. And so, um, yeah, there's oftentimes you'll find that there's like Russian, uh, superstitions or just little cultural, uh, Russian superstitions. Things. Oh yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about those. Ooh, we, I feel like I violated a Russian superstition just about every other day. Really, <laughs> um, uh, we, uh, <laughs> for instance, in my first area, I was, I got on a bus and I was like, you know, I think a, a really good way to just kind of show people how happy I am is just to whistle a church song. So I start whistling, and I did not get a good response. <laughs> I got a lot of very upset looks at me and I, and I thought, um, what's going on? And my, my trainer kind of nudges me and he says, do uh, you don't want to whistle? And I was like, why not? He's like, whistling indoors is a big no, no in the Russian culture. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Do you know why? No, I don't know why. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, get to church and I th- thought this is a different occasion but I'll just say it like it just happened right after. Um, we would greet people to to church for Sunday and I would kind of stick my hand out to shake their hands and um, this uh, babushka would grab my hand that means old lady yeah <laughs> uh, she would grab my hand really tightly and pull me through the doorway and I was like, what the heck is going on? And she's like, well, I know now what she said. She said, "You do not shake hands through doorways." And I was like, uh, "Why?" And then my companion there was there again, gleefully saying, "It's a Russian cult. Cool. It's a <laughs> shoot. What was, it? what was I saying? Superstition. Russian superstition. Uh, you couldn't. Um, you can't cross your legs like Americans do. They they cross their legs, kind of like I guess you could say Europeans do." Um, and this isn't this isn't actually like a huge superstition anymore for many people but amongst the older generation if you showed um, someone next to you the bottom of your shoe it was kind of a sign of disrespect mm-hmm. and so like Europeans kind of sit with their legs crossed like a lady as we see it as Americans because it was more of a thing of respect I learned that I didn't realize that like you're that below before. me if you yeah right like however they interpret it. But um, again, I say I I brought that up with some younger people there and they're like, "Mm, that's not really, that's not really. Maybe an older generation type of thing.
0: Yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how religious are Estonians?
1: Man, not very religious. They are, well, when I got there, um, they were proud to be, well, not the church members, but the people I spoke to were um, the number one, they thought that they were the number one atheistic country in the world. I actually have fact checked that because I realized <laughs> I've only been listening to them. And I was like, what does Google have to say about that? And they're still up there. They are like a mostly atheistic country. And so it was, uh, do, it do, was intimidating. What do you think that was,
0: were they always like that? Or do you think that was a result of like the iron curtain and being part of the Soviet union or
1: I think that was a big part of it. Um, because uh yeah a lot of people they were really they were under Soviet rule for a while like I want to say 40 or 50 years and the Russians were not kind to the anyone in the Baltic states for that whole time Mm -hmm. and so um yeah I think you know that could be a, a big reason why why people kind of fell away from God or also on the flip side it it might be what was needed to, um, refresh, I guess, or start anew and, you know, hopefully the gospel's there for that new start. But. Yeah. Maybe like a hunger for, you
0: know, when it's not there and when it's not convenient. Right. Um, I had sent you a, a list earlier of maybe some things that we could talk about and you mentioned that they are tree lovers.
1: Mm, yes. The, tell me a little more about that the tree faith. Um, well, it's just, you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with anything in the States that's like it, but I'm, I'm sure so it's, so it's
0: not there. like a hippie. It's not like
1: it's, hip- it's more of a nature will heal you kind of faith. Mm. It's like, we don't need God. Actually, we've just got nature, you know, if you're, if you just go out and, um, be with the trees and be on your own, like nature will heal you. And And, uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, people interpret it that way because I, I see it, that it's one of God's creations that, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful place for us to be. And absolutely we can feel God's love when we're in the presence of his creations. And, um, I think, uh, they see it that that is the only thing, but I see it as a, uh, it's like Alma where he's like, you know,
0: all things to note that there is a God that's you know, exactly look around right. you. And so, and again, I've never been there, but is, is it a pretty green place? Is it pretty, it sounds like there's
1: obviously, you know, forest
0: and trees and
1: yeah. Yep. It's very green. Um, lots of meadows. Um, it actually, I met my wife in Missouri and when I lived in Missouri for a short time, it actually reminded me a lot about Missouri <laughs> for some well, reason. Uh, Summers were, summers were really beautiful. Summers
0: were really great. I imagine you grew close to the members out there. Who were, who were some members that blessed you and that, that you grew to love on your mission?
1: They all did. Honestly, the, the <laughs> church is like, the church is still growing. It's very small still. Um, but it's, but the people who are there are just incredible and incredible examples to me as well. Cause They, they live as pioneers in Eastern Europe and it, it's kind of like a firsthand experience of what pioneers had to go through. Like their culture, their definition of church culture does not match like what stateside sees as church culture. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they, they are loving and they would drop everything to help us and they want us to be with them. And it's Incredible, like just the amount of love that they have. And um, I came, when I got back, I truly knew what it meant to be a member of the church. It wasn't my mission that taught me, it was the members that I served who taught me what it meant. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you said they're pioneers, in that
0: you're the ward, or I guess, were there any wards out there? Was it mainly branches or how? Uh, they were all branches, actually. all all branches and then the iron curtain came down and like, I want to say it was like 1991 or 92. Mm -hmm. So how long had them, them, you know, how how long had they been members of the church? Was it around that time or had they kind of been practicing, you know, under the radar?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, someone's going to, going to scrutinize me for not remembering all the church history of Eastern Europe. (laughs) um, From what I remember, a couple of the original, uh, members of the church, uh, including, uh, Tarmo Lep, who's now in the 70. Um, and, um, uh, brother P they ended up learning Finnish to read the book of Mormon because we didn't have a, an Estonian book of Mormon just laying around. Oh, wow. And so missionaries from Finland came over to Estonia. Um, once, uh, once the church approved it. And I, I want to say it's like 95 by now or something. Um, and they, uh, I, I remember brother and sister uh, P. Goss telling me that the missionaries came, they left a sticky note on the door cause they didn't really have the, the phone communications like yeah. we did. And they just kept coming back and leaving sticky notes saying that they were still trying to meet um, even though they kept missing each other. And, uh, brother Piel Goss, uh, I believe he learned Finnish to learn or to read the book of Mormon and then later ended up, um, helping translate the doctrine and covenants and, and amongst other wonderful members out there. I know there's, uh, anyone who's listening might be having their ears burning that they <laughs> didn't get mentioned right now, <laughs> but, but, um, but some truly wonderful members, uh, had to first translate into the book of Mormon into Estonian and then, um, the doctrine and covenants. And, uh, I was actually kind of one of the first generation of missionaries to come out with the first, um, triple bound that called, why can't I remember? It's triple combination, triple combination. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So
0: geez, that's quite the commitment just to be converted, just to read the scriptures. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, talking more about your service, who were some companions that you came to love?
1: You know, in the beginning of my mission, um, when I went into the MTC, I was with two other elders, um, Elder Forsyth and Elder Yusevich. Elder Yusevich was actually from Gilbert, but Elder Forsyth and I did not see I die and and he was he was nice but I thought he was annoying at the time (laughs) and so and you know it's probably a lot on me that we didn't get along very well at first um and uh over time like we were we were separated once we got to the field and when we got back together when we were assigned to be together as zone leaders we were um uh we were overcoming what we had gone through, our differences that we had gone through. And Yeah, what did you think
0: when your mission president calls you or the assistant says like, hey, you're gonna be with Elder Foresight?
1: Oh, uh, I was thinking like all right, here we go. <laughs> I mean, I was I was like, come what may. Yeah. And uh we got together and we were both obviously very invested into doing the work and in, into doing it well. And those were the most prosperous, like, transfers of my mission was us, like, collaborating, overcoming our differences, and it was, like, truly, like, something I could never forget is how well we, it, it, we just worked together. And, um, I, I kind of crave that again, actually, which is kind of funny when you, when you didn't get along with someone before, but but things turn around and you look past the past and um, make, make something great. It's funny that you mentioned that. It seems like a
0: lot of people, when I ask them that question, their favorite companion started off someone like they did not get along with at really? first. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I don't know, the love of the work kind of takes over and they start to learn more about each other. Yeah. Um, I've got to ask this question. I know we're going to get to it, but I'm just going to jump to it because I, I think there's a story here. Okay. Tell me of an experience where you felt you were
1: protected by the Lord. Um, so we, uh, I was actually with elder Forsyth. Um, hmm. We were again, the most like prosperous time of our mission um, being that our whole mission, like <laughs> our baptizing mission for, the, or I'm sorry, our, our mission baptizing goal for the year was like 120 people. And like, just to kind of give you an idea of like <laughs> what we, what we as a mission strive to complete, because a lot of these other missions are like 120 a month kind of thing. Oh, wow. Um, in Eastern Europe? or Yeah, just- in Eastern Europe, like our mission was like, we need 120 baptisms this year. Um, and so like we, we worked really hard for it and we saw as a mission, like in the month of April, it was really crazy. Uh, the assistants would text us every time there was a new baptism date because that's how infrequent they were. And one day it was a single day that the assistants like blew up our phone with at least 30 baptism dates. And it was like, it was such a thing to celebrate. So we were working with one of those investigators who, um, elder Forsyth and I shared. And he came in and said, Hey, by the way, is it cool if I have a friend who's coming to also, you know, hear these lessons. And we just about pooped ourselves because we (laughs) never hear that. (laughs) This is awesome. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, Uh, someone shows up in the parking lot in like a nice BMW and tinted windows. And we're like, wow, that's a nice car. (laughs) And, uh, he's like, okay, cool. He's here. So I'm going to go out and, uh, get him. And we're like, okay, cool. So we're tapping our feet, you know, just waiting around inside. He comes back and he's like, Hey, um, so my friend wants to know if we, if we can go to his house and check out this new computer that he's got. And we're just like, "Mm, that's kind of fishy. And no, that's actually not in our plans right now. So we're like, no, we really just need to have this lesson, and you know, maybe we can talk about that later. And uh, you know, go just go ahead and go grab him, and we'll we'll wait. And uh, our investigator was like, no, no, that's you know, I we should really just go check out his his computer. Come on, he like wants to to hear what you guys have to say, and it'll be cool. And I was like uh, I just didn't feel good about it. I was like, that's not really what we're here to do. (laughs) You know, but you know, we're we're just trying to keep you on track for your baptism date. Let's just have this lesson right now. And we can talk about that later. He's like, come on, let's just go outside. I was like, "Mm, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, uh, eventually, he and this is an
0: investigator that's like progressing. Yeah, so well, you, I mean, he seemed to be. So you don't want to like offend him, or like you want to <laughs> keep that relationship good. Yeah,
1: I mean, of course. And um, eventually, he he kind of gets a little hysterical about it, like not in like a crying way, but like a, come on, let's go, and like he was obviously more urgent, and uh, we kept denying. And he's like, doesn't the Bible say you have to be good people? I Like <laughs> it actually does not say that. <laughs> so check out computers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so he, he eventually just ends up leaving and we didn't have the lesson. And we're like, that's weird. So we locked up the church, headed out. And, um, our church was at the end of a cul-de-sac, uh, without, without a lot of streets, um, going to it. And so we're, we are crossing the street across from the church and we see headlights at the end of the cul-de-sac and they start coming for us and we're like, Oh geez. And so we, we make a a dash for your brushes. You're on foot. You're not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. We walked everywhere in this mission. Okay. And so, and so we kind of like, Oh man, that was weird. But we saw him. He turned like onto the main street. We're like, that was weird. But you know, we got like a half mile hike down to the, to the bus stop. And this is kind of like inner city. It's not exactly like in the middle of nowhere.
0: And just to clarify this car is it's the same tinted BMW
1: Mm -hmm. blacked out. Yep. Okay. And so we're like, man, that was just too weird. So by the time we're getting to the end of the half mile walk to the, to the uh, bus stop, uh, two guys get out of a car and get, they walk to the sidewalk and just hold a casual conversation, which is just strange at nine o'clock in the evening with no one else around. And so I was like, Elder, I don't have a good feeling about this, like we need to take a a right turn. And so we made another um, evasive maneuver. And um, I turned back and these guys get back in their car and are pulling out again. And I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are coming. We're being followed. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, uh, we start walking very quickly and then suddenly a bus appears and it just opens its doors. And I'm like on the bus, on the bus, let's go, let's go. And so we get on the bus and we duck and we rode it out for a couple stops. And I'm thinking like they, they're just following us. Like that's obviously what I would do (laughs) if I'm like following people. And, um, (laughs) so we, we called our district leader and we're like, here's the situation. And, um, we went a couple stops past where we usually go. And then we had to take this like zigzag kind of like try to lose anyone who could be following us anymore while we made it back to our apartment. And, uh, we got there, we got there safely. And I never heard from this investigator again (laughs) and it was, is just a moment of thinking of what if, like what could have happened if if I wasn't uh being sensitive to the promptings. Sheesh.
0: <laughs> Josh, to to any concerned mother that has just sent their missionary out <laughs> to <FTC>, see <laughs> Like
1: any, any, <laughs> any, any words of comfort that you can offer. The Lord is protecting your children. I have heard more stories from other missionaries that I won't share here, but But the Lord is 100% involved. Like I cannot deny that. And you shouldn't either.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like you had a lot of, a lot of promptings right in a row. Just, Hey, this isn't right. Like something's off. Right. Oh man. Um, you'd mentioned this investigator. Unfortunately it didn't work out. (laughs) Who was it? Who,
1: who was an investigator that you connected with? Um, I guess, what was their story? We, so I only had a couple of investigators who, uh, decided to be baptized. And so I guess, you know, the blessing in that is that I get a closer relationship than perhaps other missionaries who, you know, experienced more, more baptisms than, than I did. And, uh, you know, Jermaine was my first one. He's could be listening right now. Um, we met him in a park and, uh, he was like the first youth that that we found in the city of Perinu <clears throat> and, um, it, it was just, it was a blast teaching him. He, he loved America <laughs> and, and he, uh, he loved the book of Mormon and he loved everything. It was, it was just kind of like a golden nugget that you hear about that you just don't ever think that you'll come across, but, um, <clears throat> I, I still keep in touch with Jermaine and it's still fun to see how his life's going. And, uh, all these other members are also incredibly great. And when I think that I should be like faded out, uh, by now I've been home for like five years, I think, I don't know. It's been a while. Um, I still get messages from, from Estonian members who, who reach out to me and it makes me feel really good that, that I'm still in their minds and then, you know, that I've had an impact in some way.
0: That's awesome. And so Jermaine, when when you met him in the park, how how old was he roughly?
1: Uh, Fifteen. What
0: what, what were did his parents? Did they
1: present an obstacle, or were they pretty open minded? Oh no, yeah, they were. They were not on board. <laughs> but I mean, who would be if if your kid came home and said, uh, you know, two dark dressed. Uh, individuals Americans. approached me <laughs> in a park and said <laughs> join my church you know and so we we had to understand that you know the parents had obvious concerns for obvious reasons and uh, we tried working with them and it ended up being the missionaries after me who who got through to the parents and um uh, helped them get baptized and and i still got to go to that um and it was a very very sweet moment I got baptized in a river. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Super awesome. That's that's old style. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so y- you obviously served in
0: in a tough mission. And I think all missions are tough, but you know, among atheists, there it's not like you, the whole the everything you're teaching is a battle to them. It's all like not really generally accepted by them. What I guess you had mentioned earlier that there was some frustration watching church train videos like the district on, on baptizing and kind of what you thought the process was supposed to be. Um, I guess what advice would you give to a missionary that might have a different idea of how they, how the mission, how they think it should go or would go?
1: You know, I think this is, uh, especially important to address with everyone, just how we define success as a missionary. Cause, you get the wrong idea everyone says it's not about the numbers but it is about the numbers and i and it's a great experience to like make and set and track goals as a missionary because those skills like uh set you up for life um however it's it's really difficult when the church says That's, you know, we have these training videos like the district series. And, you know, as long as you follow what they're doing, like, you know, you'll you'll experience success. And meanwhile, these training videos are like they're ending in a baptism. Yeah. Everyone ends in a baptism. And, you know, they they progress all these people all the way through. And even if while they were, you know, doing the production for that series, even if they didn't actually, you know, uh, get everyone in the water. It was still like, I should have a baptism by now. (laughs) But meanwhile, I was, I was honestly lucky. I think I even went one or two weeks without a single lesson. And I just walked the city all day, every day, because like we, the members have referred everyone they know (laughs) and um, we have no one to teach and we're just, We're really just, you know, all the doors have been knocked at least six times in in the small city of Pernu And we're just out here looking for anyone who will hear us. And so it's really difficult to have a high spirit when everyone's told you that you should be progressing by now, especially in your training. And I think it's important that people are aware that it's not everything to be baptizing all the time
0: what is and I'm, this is like the the softball question what is success as a missionary
1: your greatest convert is yourself and so if you if you went out looking for the one because we always you know love quoting doctrine and covenants that as long as you, have brought one soul into me. <clears throat> Great is your victory, or however the quote goes. <laughs> um, if you were working as hard as you could as a missionary, you would be your greatest convert, and you should know what it takes to be a good member and and how to reciprocate that in your life moving forward and in your family's lives and in your friends' lives. And, and missionary work shouldn't stop, It should, it should stop with the rigorous schedule, but it shouldn't stop in your spirit. Mm, I like that. And even though you served in,
0: I guess my my biggest fear would be that someone would be listening to your podcast, maybe not a member of the church and be like, like I just wasted his time. But like, what is a testimony that you gained on your mission that like, obviously still continues to bless you today?
1: You know, my, my mission was not a mission that you went to find a testimony it was where you went to burn your testimony it was where you got tested and i i had too many experiences even in the few lessons seemingly few lessons that i got to teach <clears throat> <coughs> in the seemingly few lessons that I got to teach, I felt the spirit so strong that I, I was more enlightened than I had ever been before. And given the, the study that I had given to the the scriptures and the amount of prayer that I invested into this mission, it burned my soul that I I could not doubt and it gave me a knowledge that there is a heavenly father who loves us and watches over us and that in fact the Book of Mormon is the word of God and that Joseph Smith restored this church. And if anything, people should know that investing their time into studying these principles and in studying the gospel gives them a return that they could never get in any other way. That's awesome. That reminds me so
0: much of, and I don't know if you had read Jeremiah 20 verse 9, where he has a similar experience. Jeremiah is a prophet. He's preaching. seems like the Lord calls, you know, in, in Doctrine and Covenants and the New Testament talks about how the Lord calls the weak things to proclaim these great things, these marvelous truths that we're doing as missionaries. You think you're like this awesome 19 year old. And then you read that scripture, you're like, man, the weak things Mm of the world, (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) Jeremiah is having a tough time and he's preaching to the people and no one wants to hear what he has to say. And, uh, in chapter 20, verse nine, he says, then I said, I will not make mention of him talking about heavenly father and of the gospel. He says, nor speak anymore in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. It seemed like you had this similar experience where you had read the scriptures so much and had prayed. And like you said, invested so much time in the gospel and learning and, and in preaching it that you didn't have the capability to to not preach it, to not burn. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, yeah, you can't, it's invaluable. It's priceless. That feeling. Mm-hmm. It's sacred. I agree. Totally. Um, man, I'm kind of wrapping up on questions. We haven't really talked about your mission president. Um, who was your mission president? President Boswell of Fresno, California. Oh, nice. And yep. did he, could he speak the link? I mean, there's what, four languages that he had to learn or.
1: Right. There are, um, yeah, no, he, I mean, he learned how to kind of say the, the greetings, um, when, and uh, he had a mission tag in every language, which was cool, but, um, pretty hard for, and, uh, you know, he probably spoke more Latvian since that's where he actually lived mm. most of the time. But, uh, yeah, with four languages, it's, uh, <laughs> difficult to be fluent in any of them what was a lesson that you learned from him that you remember to this day or, or his wife, you know, president Boswell forever changed me with his ability to make and attack goals. And that is what he was all about. And he would use every resource he had to <clears throat> make that happen. And, um, I, I just have m- multiple experiences where, he just never gave up, and he kept persisting, even if things weren't working out he he tried very uh, he tried very hard to get the Baltic states to be a Baltic state, mm-hmm. which right now it's just a district, and so um we were watching from from the sidelines while we were doing the groundwork um, getting uh people to join the church he was also um doing his work to, to Yeah, he's right there he's the district president, so oh, yeah. he's, he's mm-hmm. very involved yep, that's awesome
0: um looking back, you said it's been about four or five years since he you served your mission mm-hmm. looking back in in what ways did your service change you the most as a person?
1: I feel more confident in doing things that I don't know anything about that scare me multiple times in my mission. I had, well, one, I had to learn Estonian. I've never <laughs> done that before. <laughs> Two, I, I got to be a district leader. I had never done that before. Three, I got to be a zone leader. i have never done that before, but every step of the way I was reliant on the Lord. And, and he, he helped me to be the best person I thought I could be. Um, and that, that is a principle that I still apply where regardless of the hard things that come up, I know that I can get through it. It's just a matter of, of prayer, thought and perseverance. But your experience, if you
0: wouldn't mind sharing kind of your, your experience coming home from your mission and maybe some of the
1: difficulty that you had. Sure. Yeah. You know, I I think about it a lot. When I got back from my mission, I went into a very heavy depression. Very heavy. Um and it was another thing that I that, you know, with the Lord's help, I'll overcome this too. But it took me like two years of suffering to the point where I was like, Mm. I actually don't think I can. Like I I don't feel like like I'm ever going to get rid of this. And like, I'd never feel happy. And, and why is that? Like I served a mission and, and, you know, I gave myself and, you know, granted I, I, I mean some of the things that I, I take away from this is, because I know I'm not the only one. I know there's a lot of people who come back from missions and I think, why is it that, you know, a lot of these missionaries are, are going into this awful depression. And for one, I think that they need some time to heal when they get back and, you know, quickly, sometimes they just get back and they're like, Oh, school starts next week. And so they just, you know, are already enrolled in the next semester Um, either that, or they're like, I need to get my job and I need to get on my feet. I need to get out of this house or, or whatever, whatever it may be. And I I think that they need to be able to adjust at their own pace. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of peer influences, um, who suggests that, you know, you really need to get your life started right now. Like, look, you've put it on hold for two years or 18 months and you need to get out there and go. And sometimes you're just not ready. Sometimes like you don't even know what you want to do. We definitely have this, this
0: church culture of like, let's move, let's go. Let's, you know, we're married at 21, 22, 23. And which is not normal by the world standards. And I'm not, I think you should get married sooner than later, but don't rush into any decision hastily, you know, especially that kind of decision or even going to school and like what, Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: I agree. (laughs) It's tough. I mean, I've been, I was going to school for three years before I even figured out what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then that, that took another uh, degree change and added another four years. (laughs) So Josh coming home from
0: a mission like you had in, you know, experience some some of this depression, um, this overwhelming cloud that you just feel won't go away. What what advice would you give to someone going through something similar?
1: Well, I would say that something that ended up helping me a lot, but I I had to come around to it was getting outside help, and I mean medication, and I mean a psychiatrist. And I was really, I'm more sad that I thought that that was a weak thing to do. Eventually it kind of came down to it where I was like, is my life even worth the money I'm trying to save by not going through those things? Like, cause I'm miserable oh, and, and I don't, I don't find joy in anything. It's all temporary. And, and eventually I just learned later that it is worth it to get the help you need sooner than later, because you have, you have a good life to live. You have a lot of blessings and the Lord is absolutely ready to bless you after especially a good service. And, uh, and, you know, there's opposition that comes with resources sometimes. And, and I think a psychiatrist, I think medication, it's all very good things that will help you get back on your feet.
0: Josh wrapping up, would you mind sharing your, your testimony in, in Estonian with
1: us? Yeah, sure. Matielan et Jesus Kristus on me pastia. Josephs is smithi kaodu. Tatasta somo keri ku mail malai. Ta arma stab meed. Tatahab et meela metemaga jale. Yamai lome kikk tema lapsed. Yamai utensere Jesus e Kristus enima. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks Josh. Mm-hmm. If you like what we're doing here, here by called, please like and subscribe to our podcast. Share them with your your family and friends, and especially missionaries who are going now or who have returned. Um, it's been it's been really um, fascinating and, and fun to hear of maybe some missionaries who had served that aren't currently active. Um, that listening to these stories helps them reminisce on the experiences that they had that are life changing. Uh, even if their testimony is not there, there's still so much growth that comes. From serving a mission um but josh thanks again for coming on and we will see you guys later thank you